All right. Welcome back. As always, you're right. It's the CXM experience. And I'm Grad Khan, CXO at Sprinkler. And today I have a very special guest, Jeremy Epstein. He's currently the CMO at GTM Hub, which is a results management system uh, based on OKRs. And he'll talk about that uh, for a minute or two. But uh, I met Jeremy originally when he was CMO at Sprinkler. Jeremy and I have uh, similar DNA in ourselves, uh, similar experiences, although uh, for me, my experience came later and, and to a large extent uh, came very much as a result of the amazing work that Jeremy did. So I want to start, Jeremy, by saying thank you for doing such an amazing job as CMO at Sprinkler, because uh, if you hadn't, then, you know, I wouldn't have been able to come and join Sprinkler later on. So they, I really owe you a great debt. Uh, so thank you. And um, I'd like to talk a little bit about that. But I'll let me frame up today uh, overall. So, you know, you're you're uh, you're kind of I think doing a really interesting job where you are right now. You've done a really interesting job at Sprinkler. You can talk about some other experiences you've had, but you've got a unique perspective on being a CMO at a very early stage startup, Series A, B, C, D, that kind of stage. Um, there's going to be a different set of things that you have to do at that stage than if you're at a later stage, and it's I think a lot tougher. Uh, at the stages that you're at. So I'd love to first let you introduce yourself for a second, and then let's talk about that. And let's just sort of see what's it like being an early stage CMO and what are the key things you need to think about? Yeah, well, thank you very much for the very kind words. I I wish I could take as much credit as you're giving me, but it's a real testament to uh, Raji and the team and the great product and all of the, the, the great people at Sprinkler. So I was just, I like to say everybody's in marketing. It's just that some of us know it. And, uh, you know, marketing <laughs> is good. is really the the aggregation of all the great work that the product and the success teams do. So I just sort of that that's basically leads into sort of my philosophy of marketing, which is that at an early stage, you know, when you're really trying to break out from the pack, pack the, the thing you want to do is, is start building community of people who are mm. like minded. Um, and that's where, you know, you and I first met because you were a visionary at, at Microsoft when we first met. You you saw the future that a lot of people didn't see. And so I just saw it as my job is to find people like yourself and others at other enterprises that we were uh, serving, especially in the early days, and just help bring those people together and connect them because we were all out there on the cutting edge. It just, now it's obvious that social media has changed the landscape. Yeah. But back then it wasn't so obvious to, to many yeah. people. And when you're an innovator, it can get lonely. And yeah. uh, that's what we saw at Sprinkler. And that's what we see at GTM Hub as uh, people are really trying to change the way that organizations consistently drive results and using OKRs as the best methodology ever invented to do that. But it's tough to change the culture of a lot of these organizations. So all we try to do is let's find those people, let's bring them together, and then let's provide them content to help them do their jobs better. So for me, the only way I know how to do it is build community, provide content to that community and drive word of mouth to start getting that flywheel started. Um, because, you know, as much money as you raise, you can't spend your way into giant market awareness. You have to do it. Uh, you know, that's the augmentation, not the primary driver. So that's basically yeah. the approach. I love that philosophy. So I want to dig in on that. And you're, you made a good point. You know, sometimes people say, well, we just raised 30 million or 150 million or 
uh, half a billion, like whatever. All those numbers are tiny, tiny numbers versus what you actually need to build awareness. And so, so you're right. Like at almost any stage, community and word of mouth is super important. Um, you know, I think about say Google, like, and I, this is something I remember. I don't know if I've told this story yet. I, I, I'm eager I, to hear it. Bring it. Well, I don't have this. Per- I, see, I'm, I'm not prepared because I, if I if I was really prepared, I'd have this person's name, and this would be a a true full revenge story. But this would just be a partial revenge story. So when we were, I was doing one of my startups, and we were admiring the way that Google. And this is like late '90s. We admired the way that Google did its intro. And I don't know if you remember this, but the way Google did its launch is they didn't have a lot of money, and they went to sysadmins. They went to the IT sysadmin open source community and they spent a lot of time talking about their algorithm and what they'd kind of invented in terms of uh, linkbacks. And that got everyone really excited because it made so much sense and was so brilliant. And so sysadmins at that time were doing a lot of configuring on computers and offices. And so they'd go to an executive's desk and they would be using Alta Vista or Ask Jeeves or whatever. Right, right. <laughs> oh my God, Alta Vista. Uh, and, uh, and then they would say, no, no, you should use Google. And that's a lot of how the groundswell of Google started was at this like, that base level. So I was, I was sort of admiring this Google strategy for a company I had called OpenCola, which took a very similar strategy and actually made a fair amount of headway uh, using that strategy. And we did something slightly different, which is we... We invented an open source soft drink to go along with our software. And, nice. and some days I think maybe we should have just been selling the soft drink. <laughs> Whatever, yeah. it doesn't matter. We got a lot of attention. And we were telling a, a VC at Intel, he's no longer there, um, but we were telling a VC at Intel that we really loved the strategy that Google had taken. We wanted to copy it, build community, all the stuff you were talking about. Right. And he goes, oh, oh dude. He goes, uh, Google never made any money. It's never going to make any money for any of its investors. Anyone who put any money into Google is going to lose it all. You right. use Google as an example with me one more time. I'm never going to invest in your company. So there you go. Not everybody yeah. knows everything. Not uh, everybody anyway, can so, see the future. Uh, That's so, true. And then Salesforce did the same thing. I think Benioff did a brilliant job in the early days of really you know, kind of contrasting himself to uh, Siemens and or Siebel, excuse me, not Siemens, Siebel, Siebel uh, right. contrasting himself to Siebel, talking about cloud CRM versus CRM, and then, right. and made a lot of noise, right, and built yeah. kind of community around a product that was still early stage. So, so how do but how do you do it? Those are big examples that worked really well. For every big example, there's a hundred examples that don't work well. How do you actually find community? Um, what did you do on Sprinkler? What were the early days of Sprinkler of finding people like me? Because I don't, I don't know how early, I don't know how easy we were to find. Well, I mean. It wasn't as difficult as you thought because like the the community at that point was, you know, not particularly large. So we actually relied very heavily on on the influencers in the in the space. One of the first uh, tactics that we employed was what we call our social at scale ebook. And we invited 30 of the biggest names in the industry to participate Mm. and share their vision of what social at scale, which was uh, an idea that we had coined. You know, it took us about eight or nine months after I got there to kind of get to that point. And we had some great input from a lot of people, including Jeremiah Aoyang was very instrumental. So one of the early influencers and we invited them. We said, look, I don't want you to talk about Sprinkler, but I do want you to explain to the the people out there. What is it? What does the arrival of social mean for large enterprises? And we invited them into a collaborative ebook. And then wouldn't you know it, they all promoted it to their fans and followers. And 
that helped us uncover a lot of the people who basically, you know, to be sound grandiose about it, we knew we were starting a movement. It was hmm. a movement of people who believed that the arrival of the empowered customer was going to change the face of enterprises. And so what I say is, who are the people who share this belief, who share our worldview? And let's figure out ways to uncover them. And, you know, we're basically running the same play at GTM Hub of people who believe that in a world of knowledge workers, that's knowledge economy, that you want transparency, you want focus, you want alignment, that OKRs are the way to do that. But basically, you need to be you need to have cultures of collaborations around this. Not everybody's prepared for that, but we can we're trying to uncover those people and then bring them together. So, you know, they sort of say, look, I, I can see this is a brand that cares about the things that I care about. I mean, one of my all time favorite comments is we used to put on events that we called social at scale events. And Raji, Raji you know, still talks about those. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he, we, admiringly, um, like that, not in a bad way, in a good, yeah, very yeah, good we, way. He's, he still talks about how awesome those were and how amazing you were at uh, getting people out to those. He, he, he uh, usually you, when he's very, yelling at me, he'll, yeah. uh, he'll go on and like about how awesome you were. I've, I've, I've been on the tail end of Raji yelling too. So it's not, I don't have all glamour stories from the Springboard days, you know, got, got, got my butt kicked on more than one occasion. But one of the things that we did is we, I said to like, you know, one of the core philosophies is I give Raji a lot of credit for understanding this and you know every marketer out there is not always blessed with a ceo who understands intuitively what yeah. was trying to happen we said look no one really cares what we say they care what people say about us so that was what we tried to take into the event so i would kick it off for five or seven minutes just sharing our worldview and then the rest of the time was all basically user-generated content we invited customers we invited prospects and I, even once or twice, I invited people who were using our competitors' products really? to present at our event. Wow. And the greatest compliment that I could ever get, and this happened two or three times, people would come to me at the end of the event and they'd say, Jeremy, this was one of the greatest corporate events I've ever been to. Like, I learned so much from my peers. I feel like I'm not alone. I saw what other companies are doing. He said, the only problem is you didn't show me your product. And I was like, you're welcome. That's not the point of this event. The point of this event is to connect you with other people. It's to build trust. It's to help you understand that Sprinkler genuinely, passionately cares about this particular movement. And that's what this is for. And so I always love that. And, you know, that's why I wasn't afraid. Like you're using one of our competitors. I don't care. You're, we're here to educate the the audience. And that's the kind of thing that builds trust when they get up to say, we're not using Sprinkler you know, yet, but that kind of thing. And it was just a great experience. And people loved learning because you're just you're just empowering people through education. You're not ramming demos and ramming slides down their throat. Nobody likes that. I always say, like, I would never put on an event that I wouldn't want to go to myself. And I don't like boring events. Yeah, that's a great philosophy. You know, it is interesting. I do think that part of the fall of marketing automation, I mean, it's still sort of hanging in there. But I think a lot of the philosophies of marketing automation that were sort of formed in the early part of the 21st century are really kind of disintegrating. Like you see B2B marketers right, left and center, just not able to hit the goals they used to hit with, you know, white paper downloads and gated content and all that kind of stuff. And I think part of it is that people are just, are just tired of being sold to. Yeah. And it is rare to find a company that's got the, it, it takes some uh, it's, it takes some courage to just have a conversation with someone and not necessarily try to sell them something. It's like you want to 
try to create a relationship versus try to make a sale. And we, I think we understand how to make relationships in the real world. But somehow, I don't know what happens. We go online yeah. and it's like, you want to buy a watch? Like it just, it's instantaneous. We go straight to the sale. And I think people back off from that. It's too, too scary. Yeah, no, I, there's a little sort of a flip remark I'll say is that the difference between sales and marketing is sales is when you call them. Marketing is when they call you. And, mm, you know, nice. I, I like to quote Peter Drucker. He says, you know, that marketing and innovation are the only two things that drive the business forward in his opinion. But he says the, the purpose of marketing is to know the customer so well that the product or service sells itself. And so I always view that as like a challenge. It's like, how do you build a relationship to the point where the prospect feels like you understand their problems so well that they just call you up and, you know, and, and sort of part two to that demo story is I'd say, look, one day you're going to wake up and you're going to say, wow, I really need to do social at scale. And on that day, you're going to call me. And then my account rep will be more than happy <laughs> to give you a demo of the software. Like they will be so thankful that. So it's just, it's just thinking in terms of, you know, treating people the way you would want to be treated. It's not that hard right. when you think about it. It's, but you're right. We put on our marketing hats and like, let's just ram you with all kinds of stuff. And look, I have moments where I'm guilty of that. I, I definitely fall into that on certain activities, but generally I try to stay away from that because I believe over the long haul, um, that's the way you're going to win, especially in this market. So, you know, you're, you're a CMO to an emerging company. You, it sounds like things are going great, which is awesome. I'm, I'm super uh, happy for you, um, but you're still resource constrained. Oh, yeah. Right? So <laughs> and, and you will be for a long time. I mean, and it's, it's not a knock against the company. It's just you got to be very thoughtful about how you spend your money. And right. quite frankly, even, even when I was at Microsoft, I theoretically had a lot of cash available, but I still felt resource constrained because there were so many things to do. Uh, I always had to make choices. So just for people who are listening, let's say someone is, you know, a CMO at a Series A, Series B startup. They're like, boy, it's just really tough. How would you help them think about prioritization? Top three. Yeah. No. Trade key trade-offs. Yeah, it's a great, it's funny. I, I, as you may recall, I also worked at Microsoft once upon a time and I always tell people that no matter what business you're in, you feel resource constrained even when you're at Microsoft, when you think you have all the money in the world. Um, but you're right. I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's a series of trade-offs. You know, I, I think it's, it's never forgetting that there's, you know, a person on the other side of the screen. I think that has to be the first thing is how do you invest in experiences? I know you're the chief experience officer. And I think that that, that role, everybody needs to think that way is like, what is the experience? And it's all these little micro moments that together either enhance the brand or detract from the brand. So the first thing is to invest in communicating out that, like I said, everybody's in marketing. You might only, we have a hundred and I think we're up to about 120, 130 people in the company now. Mm, that's great. Excuse me. There you go. That's, that's authentic. You get a little Pellegrino burp there. Um, <laughs> that's just trying to keep it real. Roger would be proud. Um, so, so, you know, so you told me we're just taking one take. Yeah, we don't edit this thing, man. This yeah, is, we don't it's all this. in. We're just it's all go, in. You know? Hey, human, real human people occasionally drink Pellegrino and stuff happens. Um, you know, so I, I think it's like, you know, I've used the all hands uh, meetings that we've had over the last couple of months to try to communicate what the brand stands for and and how 
we should have, you know, it's there. I think still on the wall at Sprinkler today, it says people never forget how you made them feel. It's on right? the sleeve of every single hoodie we yeah. have. Yeah. So I, I remember yeah. the day we we sort of took that and, and you know, made that our, our term. And I still fundamentally believe that the Maya Angelou quote is, is something that should be a guiding mm-hmm. for, for everybody. So number one is a CMO. I'd say, look, you don't have to do this by yourself. You can leverage every single other person in the company if they understand that what they do affects the marketing function, right? So that's number one is how quickly the support team responds, how quickly, you know, how easy it is to sign up for the software. All of those things are marketing moments. So you don't need a lot of money for that. You just need to be effective at articulating that. So that would be number one. Number two is I'd go back to, you know, the community idea. Like, oh, sorry. Number two is probably being clear about what you actually stand for, Um, getting clear. And that that's a hard process. I mean, it took us another eight months here at GTM Hub to to kind of get to a little bit more clarity. And it'll probably take us another eight months to even get better clarity. And then, like I said, the community and content like it doesn't take a lot of effort to get people together. What it takes a lot of effort to is to resist the temptation you just discussed of putting an event on without trying to ram stuff down people's throat. It's just putting an event on or putting or, or creating an experience where people say, wow, I, I actually got a ton of value out of this. This was something that helped me learn and do my job better. Because when you're in an early stage category creating environment and you find these advocates, these champions, these community members, they are out there on the cutting edge. So I view our job as just helping them be successful. I said they're a customer success person. Like I, our our goal shouldn't be NPS. Our goal should be how many of our clients get promoted. Mm, you know, like that's that. really wow. what we could do. At one that's point, we studied awesome. it. We did it. We did an analysis of of people of a sort of our earliest customers. And I remember, like a year later, sixty five percent of our sort of top thirty customers had been promoted within the past year. Wow. I was like, that's awesome. That's We're helping awesome. them. You yeah. know, that's real partnership in my book. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that. I've never thought of thinking of that as a KPI. That is brilliant. But I have, I've glanced off the edge of it because I tell people all the time that I think people forget that B2B is a much simpler category than people think it is Mm, mm. because people are buying one thing. They're buying career success. Right, right. Well said. With a kind of a underlying risk around, will this purchase get me fired? Right, so, right. so you need the, the bar for career success needs to be really long right. and the bar for career firing is right, uh, career ending right. is really short, but it, it's a very unusual category because emotionally you're appealing to the same thing in almost every category, which is people are making decisions that will hopefully make them more successful in their jobs. And that's what yeah. they're looking for. And I think a lot of companies forget that because they think about speeds and feeds and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, Jeremy, you've been really gracious with your time. I do have uh, three last questions. So two are really easy. And then the, uh, and then the one just a little bit harder. So I'll, I'll do the hard on. one first. I'll do the hard okay. one first. So I'm ready. if you're going to change one thing mm-hmm. about what you did at Sprinkler, and you know, the answer could be I wouldn't change anything because I did a perfect job. So that's fine. <laughs> uh, but if you were, I totally accept that because, you know, it's obviously you, know, you did a great job of getting this thing on the road. Uh, but if you were to change one thing, you could go back in my DeLorean and we could go fix it. What would you change? Oh, I would have sp- spent a hell of a lot more time developing my people. Oh, really? I, I, I don't think I was a very good, I was a mediocre people manager, p- developer of talent leader. I, I was new. I was so focused on the strategy execution that sometimes I forgot about that. So if I was going to do, I would have invested a heck of a lot more in the career development of, of everybody on my team. And we had amazing team members 
and they hopefully I think they'd say they learned a lot, but um, and they developed a lot. But I definitely would spend a lot more time helping them grow in their careers. Wow. Awesome answer. OK. OK. Next question. A little bit easier. Um, Spice Girls are reuniting. OK. OK. Um, but without Posh Spice, mm. are they still the Spice Girls? I'm going to say yes, because 80 percent is is still significant. Like that's filibuster proof there i'm i'm with it there's all right okay okay good Good. so okay good good was a five person band okay good all right and then last question and and this is this is actually a serious question for some people Um, is a hot dog a sandwich yeah i actually this came up the other day i uh i'm gonna have to go with no no okay yeah, All right. I'm gonna have to go. With, no, are you a really big so. hot dog fan or medium? Well, I'm, hot dog I'm fan? vegan, so if it's so a not it's a hot dog a, fan, well, I mean they I'm do have like dogs. soy hot dogs; those are good. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. no, uh, not a huge hot dog fan. But, okay, you know, so I'm good. Mean, okay, average. We're tabulating these responses, so we're just okay, wind up at the big table at the end. Okay, good. Is this like an infographic that's going to come out later <laughs> yeah. that's going to be demand gen activity for you guys? Yeah, most it. CMOs think that hot dogs are sandwiches, that kind of thing. <laughs> there you go. Forrester Wave, top like quadrant of hot dog eating CMOs lead companies more effectively than non-hot dog eating CMOs. There you go. There we go, right? <laughs> Something like it. that. You know yeah. someone's out there doing that. That's right. Well, Jeremy, this has been great. Uh, any last thoughts words or questions for me uh wow well i guess how when you think i mean when you think of the role how, how do you explain the chief experience officer role to people who may not necessarily uh, intrinsically understand what it is or or its value how do you explain your mission oh that's a great question uh, because uh and i'm you know still figuring it out myself so fair enough <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if you got any thoughts, throw them my way. Um, but what I, uh, what I'll do when, when I talk about what I do is that we, we have a philosophy that experience is the new brand mm. and that potentially is part of your coinage as well. Mm. And so in that type of, uh, scenario, I need to think about and look at what kind of experience our customers are having with us. So I spend actually a lot of time with customers, mm. uh, talking to them, working with them, telling them about what Sprinkler does, but also seeing what Sprinkler does. And where I think I bring some interesting advantages is that I'm a heavy user of the platform. So I'm in there kind of messing around and sort of looking at it. And so for me, it's always about how do I think about the experience that's landing across the board? And so I'm talking to engineering. I'll be talking to sales, talking to broad groups of people. And it is a very interesting role because I am able to cross over many of the silos that typically exist in an organization. There are not a lot of CXOs out there. It's becoming more common. Um, There's CDOs and CXOs tend to be a bit interchangeable, but Mm -hmm. typically organizations will set up these roles to try to help unify the silos and create a, a better collaboration environment to land a better experience with the customer. And ultimately it's that experience is going to get, keep someone coming back, buying more or trying it for the first time. Yeah, no, that's experience is the brand. I like that. That makes ton of sense. Like people never forget how you made them feel, right? Yeah, no, that that that's for sure. Uh, well, this has been great. Um, I'm going to say thank you and sign off. And uh, you know, let's connect again. Uh, when where do you live? What's your what's your hometown? I live right outside of Washington D.C. 
Okay. Well, I kind of go by there once in a while. So next time, uh, you know, I'm in the DC area and once I'm, I'll be vaccinated as of tomorrow, Oh, nice! Uh, fully vaccinated. So when, when you're all ready to go and we're kind of out in public again, uh, let's get together face to face and have dinner or something. I'd be, I, I would really like enjoy that. that. Thank right. you. All right. Well, for the CXM experience, my guest today has been Jeremy Epstein. He's the CMO at GTM Hub and uh, esteemed CMO and uh, alum, alumni of Sprinkler. And I want to thank Jeremy for being on the show today. And for the CXM experience, I'm Grad Khan, CXO at Sprinkler. And I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>